because I see a career growth in the music industry as increments. You don't really mm -hmm. ever like just hit it big. Like, you know, there are the occasional one hit wonders, but if you're, you know, a DIY artist like I am, it's all about those little incremental successes that slowly bring you up. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. You are tuned into the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. My name is Bree Noble, and I am super excited to get this interview out there because I really, really love my conversation with triple threat Daphne Willis. And I call her a triple threat because number one, she's a great artist and performer. Secondly, she is a fantastic songwriter and is signed by a well-known publishing company and is getting songs placed all over the place on TV, in movies, and being performed by other artists. And we talk a bit about that on the show. But her third of the triple threat is that her music is so authentic and has such a deep message. So if you've heard uh, her songs on the Women of Substance radio podcast, we played them recently in the beginning of November. We played two of her songs. One is called Dope. Dopamine. One is called Somebody Someone that just gets me every time. So if you haven't checked those out, definitely go over to WOSpodcast.com and look for episodes number 687 and 690. I'll get to my interview with Daphne in a minute, but let me give you a little information about our amazing sponsor. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you've probably heard me mention our sponsor, Studio Sweden Headphones. I'm extremely proud to have them sponsor this show, not only because they make a great product, but because they are innovators, because they're trying to bring together the world of headphones in a way that no one else has. If you've noticed, like sometimes you try to buy headphones and there's these really cool looking headphones, but they actually don't sound that good. Or these headphones that sound amazing and they've got all the technology you want, but they're not really at all stylish. They are trying to bridge that gap. They're trying to bring together the technology and the fashion. And they really have done that in their line of headphones. Their headphones are all wireless and they do work with Bluetooth devices, but you do have the ability to connect a cord if you want to actually use them as corded headphones. They're so versatile and I use them all the time, whether I'm on the go or I'm here in my studio recording. They are the perfect companion for all things audio. So I highly recommend you check them out at studiosweden.com. That's S-U-D-I-O sweden.com. And you don't just have to be in Europe to take advantage of this. They have free worldwide shipping. So this is open to all of you, everyone that's listening right now. Go to studiosweden.com, check out how cool they look, and I can attest to how great they sound, and consider them as a great Christmas gift for somebody that you love or maybe yourself. 
And when you go to studiosweden.com, make sure to enter code FEM15 to get 15% off your entire order, plus, of course, the worldwide free shipping. That's studiosweden, S-U-D-I-O-S-W-E-D-E-N.com, and be sure and put in FEM15 for your 15% discount. Now, let me tell you a little bit about my guest, Daphne Willis. Spanning multiple genres from roots rock to pop and hip hop is how some would describe my guest today, Daphne Willis's music. She's a Nashville based singer songwriter who recently released her new single, Dopamine. Her music is sincere, compelling, with lyrics whose messages cover a multitude of relevant issues. Here is my interview with Daphne Willis. So that's a little bit about Daphne Willis. So Daphne, is there anything that you want to tell our listeners about you that's maybe a little bit unique or quirky that's not covered in your bio? Something that maybe, you know, is a little bit different about you? Well, I think um, the bio does a kind of a good job of giving you a generic rundown of uh, kind of where I'm coming from, et cetera. But um, I don't know. I think uh, I think everybody's kind of got all kinds of quirks. I know. I um I I have a lot of recent stuff that I've been writing about has been to do with um recovery. I quit drinking about a year and a half ago. So a lot of what I write about um recently has been about kind of this personal growth, self-empowerment kind of vibe and I think I've always kind of written music along along those lines, but it's definitely taken more of a turn in that direction and I I felt like um you know, sharing a lot more of my personal life with my fans over the last year has um, definitely uh, sparked interest in exploring new quirks and finding new things to be to be kind of in on. So it's kind of been, uh, I guess it's kind of been like the quest for quirks in the last year. <laughs> it's been really fun. Um, the latest, the latest I've been doing. Um, the latest thing I've been doing is this thing called ice baths, which are... Oh, wow, you're I, brave. <laughs> have you heard of this? It's, uh, there's a guy named Wim Hof and a friend of mine, another artist, a friend of mine named Charlie Mars, who's extremely talented. You need to check him out. Um, he got me involved, or he got me kind of into this um, whole ice bath thing. And it's something that I do every other day about. So is it an actual ice bath or is it just like super cold with actual ice or is it just really cold oh no it's real ice like i i actually just did one before before we had this call so i went i went and got um 80 pounds of ice and i put it in the bathtub here i'm staying at an airbnb and i filled it up with filled the rest up with cold water and you do rounds of it. So I did uh, two rounds, five minutes each, and you kind of do like meditation and breathing stuff in between and beforehand. And, and the, the thing about this Wim Hof method is, and I know this, this probably, this sounds insane to most people. They're like, oh my God, this is insane. But it's really cool conceptually because the breathing, the breathing that you do before you get in the tub oxygenates your blood and it actually releases um, a lot of adrenaline into your into your system so when you get in the ice you're actually not you actually don't really it doesn't 
you know, you don't, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't sting. It, you know, you don't feel much because of all the adrenaline and it's really good for inflammation. And it's a really good, um, kind of ritualistic practice for any, anything trauma related, anything, you know, kind of in the mental space of just overcoming your own obstacles. And, um, it certainly clears my head up. Uh, so I've, kind of gotten into it and I wasn't sure I was going to like it or not the first time I did it and I've actually really gotten into it. So It's really I, interesting because I know you're on tour right now. So do you kind of use that to just like clear out all the stress of the road? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And I work out too. So like, especially after like a hard workout, mm. it's when you're just, I mean, you just totally zen out. It, it, it releases an incredible amount of endorphins into your system and um so it it is it's like a de-stressor it's like you know icing away the stress <laughs> wow really really interesting hmm i have to look into this i don't know if i can stand it i'd probably do better doing a super hot bath than a super cold but i i could try it well you can go back and forth too yeah that's what i was heard you know i've heard of like doing the freezing cold and the really hot in the shower kind of thing Yes, and you can do that too. It's cool. all about what you want. Hmm. Free. <laughs> interesting. Okay, well, I know this is a strange segue, but I did need to find out about that. That's pretty interesting. So let us, tell us, you know, how did you get started in music? What was kind of your, your path and your journey? Um, both of my parents were music majors at UT Austin. So hmm. my dad was a, an engineering major, and then he minored in business and went on to work at Sony BMG in this, on the sales side. And um, my mom was a vocal major. So I pretty much started singing when I popped out. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, grew up in, in a musical family, you know, so it was just always around and, and always there. And my parents have certainly been extremely supportive of me kind of pursuing my dreams and going down this route originally plan on making music my career um it's always been my number one passion and but uh i've also i also grew up seeing how struggle in the music industry and that it's really hard parents were very realistic about about all of those aspects of the music industry and so i was going to um depaul university in Chicago where I grew up and uh, I had plans to be a teacher and I wasn't sure if I was going to go on and be a college teacher or a high school teacher um, uh, English I was taking English but um, I ended up kind of doing this like little acoustic EP I started writing songs in high school and uh, so I, I did this little recording this acoustic EP and it ended up getting um, licensed um there's like all these sub licensing companies that you can you can get like you know when you're shopping in walmart and you hear music or you're at pf chang's and you hear music um well that's like called it that's called a sub licensing contract so i got one of those and and it was playing on american airlines flights and the president of this is a crazy story uh, the president of Vanguard Records was on a flight and his iPod died and he plugged his headphones into the armchair 
and my song was playing and he looked at the pamphlet and saw that I wasn't signed and I was 19 and they flew me out to LA and they signed me. And um, it was... That is a crazy story. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a really crazy story. Um, so can I ask, how did you even get your music sub-licensed in the first place? Were you seeking that out or did someone else... Yeah, I th- no, I sought it out. You can, okay. I mean, there's a ton of them. You can go online and find them and you submit your music to them. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward process signing on with, there's a lot of companies that do that kind of music placement. Yeah, and I know a lot of people that do it, but you don't hear often hear a story like that where a person that has power actually plugged their <laughs> headphones no, in. Oh, I know it's insane. Like it's it's really insane. Uh, but but yeah, that's what happened. And and then you know, of course, my parents were like, "Well, this is a you know, this is a very good opportunity, and um, you, you know, you can always go back to school. So let's do it." So I went for it, and. Uh, they had me going back and forth from Nashville and eventually I ended up, you know, moving to Nashville and that was kind of how it all started. Mm, okay. So kind of continue this story. Cause I don't actually, I mean, I've read your bio, but it doesn't like detail all of this. So you're, you're signed to a label. What happens next and how do you end up where you are today? Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, so I get signed to this label and they're amazing, and I love Vanguard Records. And we do we did uh, two records and an EP. And over the course of that time, I I grew as a person and as an artist. And I think that um, I I kind of took a turn musically and artistically that was just kind of out of their wheelhouse. So we ended up going separate ways. Um, so, so what was your style when you were on Vanguard? It was a little bit more in like the singer songwriter folky mm. kind of a kind of vibe, and and now it's a lot more in kind of the soul pop, funk pop kind of vibe, um, and I just they're more of an Americana um, singer songwriter alternative that kind of I don't know kind of vibe, and they're pretty so it just kind of wasn't really working out. Um, so we kind of went our separate ways and, and I've been, uh, independent on the artist side ever since and remained in Nashville and in Nashville, you write all the time. Uh, you're always co-writing or I am, I, I mean, everybody I know in Nashville is just constantly writing. So I had this big catalog and was, uh, looking for publishing deals. Um, and I ended up getting a, a publishing deal with Sony ATV. So I've been signed to them on the writing side for about two years now. And, that, and then I'm, I'm still independent on the artist side, which I love. Mm. You know, I love the, the freedom and I love the flexibility. And, um, so, and, and the team building aspect and the, the business side of all of that that goes into being an in, independent artist, I think is very fascinating. So. So that's kind of where I am now. And right now I'm, you know, writing songs at Sony ATV. I do a lot of writing for like film and TV and I do a lot of writing for other artists and I do a ton of writing for myself, obviously. Um, and then I tour kind of perpetually throughout the year. So when I'm, you know, when I'm out, I'm out. When I'm home, I'm writing and, and that's kind of what's up. 
Mm. So can you explain to, you know, some of the listeners that, that might not know as far as a publishing deal like that, do they just take the publishing on things that they assign you or are they basically, you know, have control over everything that you write? Um, it's a, well, it's a co-pub deal. So they take half of the publishing um, and it's everything. It's everything. Okay. everything. Yeah. Got it. So it doesn't matter what co-writers you're with or anything. You're just basically their artist. Yes. Publishing yep. side. And they, and they pay me as an advance for that. And they also, you know, provide travel budget money. Like, you know, I go and I write in New York City and I go and I write in L.A. So they cover those expenses for me. And then they also cover, you know, demo budgets. So having a budget to actually record these songs. Oh my gosh, that's you know, kind of a huge burden because those those expenses can be really uh, really cumbersome. Do you tend do you ever record your own demos or do you like to have other artists do it? I do sometimes, but I'm not really a track person. Um, mm-hmm. I do know how to use the software and like I can I could bust out a demo if I really wanted to but it's not not really my jam um I I enjoy producing but I uh, don't enjoy the technicalities of being the techie on the techie side of it uh so I I usually hire an engineer to when I'm producing um and and have them kind of handle the technical side of things is that to hold? you usually do your own vocals or do you sometimes want like a different sound on your demos? I, I always do my own vocals. Okay. Uh, well, it depends. I mean, the other thing is that a lot in a lot of these writing sessions now to save time, um, we do three way writing sessions and one of the right, one of the writers is a track person. So as mm. we're doing the song, we make the demo. Wow. Uh, or we're, you know, so I'm working in studios most of the time now where there's either already a track that's been started that we're writing to. So we literally are just dropping in a vocal on a track or we're in a studio with a producer and another writer and the three of us or the two of us or the four of us or whatever um, kind of make the track and the song to go which mm. I, I love and I personally enjoy that route because it, I think it just kind of streamlines the process. And also when you write a song and you produce it at the same time, it kind of allows you to just really listen for what, you know, that production side of the song. Yeah, that's that, you know, that instant gratification, too, of like, oh, I actually created a real thing. It's not just something. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And to be able to walk away with, you know, an MP3 that you can pass mm. around, send off to your team, you know, that's always nice, too. That is very cool. So can you share, like, some of the places that your songs you know, have the, you know, m- movies and TV that they've been in, or maybe some of the artists that have recorded your songs you've written on? Sure. Um, I just had a placement for, uh, there's a show called The Good Doctor on ABC. Mm-hmm. And I just had a, well, my song, Somebody Someone is playing and currently playing. I love in that song. Thank you very much. Um, 
So they, they're using somebody, someone in their promo, and I believe it's going to be on the episode next week. Mm. Um, I have had, let's see, I have had gotten a lot of placements lately, which has been very, very lucky. Um, the Christmas office party movie that was out last year, I had, I had a song in the trailer for that. Um, I've had some, some other promos, some SEC promos, some, I had something for an Xbox video game. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. What about, what about artists? Are there any artists that have recorded your stuff that people would know? Well, I work with, I don't know if you remember O-Town. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I so I, they just released an EP, and I have two cuts on that. Mm. Um, I write with an artist named Jen Bostic. And I, I love Jen Bostic. Oh, right on. She, well, <laughs> she and I wrote Somebody, Someone, so that makes oh sense. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> great. She's so great. She is so great. Now you've got uh, me another idea. I've got to get her on the show. I haven't, I used to, I've played her music several times, but. She's crushing it right now, especially over in the UK. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, so we write together and I have a cut on her record that's coming out. Um, and, you know, obviously she has two cuts on my record. So that's cool. I'm trying to think who else uh, has cut stuff. The oh, I work with a I work with an artist named Atara Valentine, who's out of New York, and he's a current. He was on Atlantic, but he left because he kind of changed his vibe. And Sony, he's a so he's also a writer at Sony, um, and now he's just a dear friend of mine. He's an mm. incredible artist, and um, he is currently working on a project that I wrote a few songs with him for um and they're kind of developing that and i i really have like a good feeling about all of that because no that's cool yeah yeah maybe in six months everyone be like of course i know who that is yeah exactly (laughs) and that is definitely like how it's gonna go like he's just too good to to not you know be a massive success and he would deserve all of it so um, so that's cool. But I'm, I mean, so the writing thing is weird because I've only been doing it. I've only been kind of doing the writing. game. It's like a whole nother game mm-hmm. uh, separate from being an artist. So I've only been at it for about two years and it, it takes, you know, it takes time and uh, a lot of hustle to get in the rooms with some of these artists and, um, but I love it. Like I'm, re- I love writing for other people. So it's been really fun. Um, so, so as far as like cuts go, I don't have any like huge. I mean, I've worked with worked with John Oates and Megan Trainer and some other you know big people, and I've worked with some of the best writers and stuff like that. So I'm really enjoying it for sure. That's really cool. Well, I mean, I don't think I even have to ask this question because I had the question down. Are you? pretty much working as a full-time musician. It sounds like between your artist stuff and your writing stuff, you are more than full-time. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. So do you have any, like, any stories for struggling musicians that can kind of help them just bust through some walls? Because I know, you know, all of us have had those times where we're like, oh my gosh, I think I just want to give up. Like, this is not working for me. I'm hitting a wall. 
Um, you know, can you give them any like specific stories that you went through and how you, how you busted through that and how you got to where you are today? Well, I think, uh, I don't know, for me, the, the biggest thing that I think I've ever seen and the, the thing for me that has been, I think the biggest I guess I guess I'd like to say increment because I see a career growth in the music industry as increments. You don't really mm-hmm. ever like just hit it big. Like, you know, there are the occasional one-hit wonders, but if you're, you know, a DIY artist like I am, it's all about those little incremental successes that slowly bring you up, you know. Right. And I saw the biggest jump I think when I released somebody someone last February um, because the song is so personal and so real and I don't think that I had really had the guts to like take the plunge and do that until then you know for so many reasons just because of my own personal situation and you know because I'm like a human and shit like that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but but it was such uh it was such an eye opener for me and it has turned everything around for me in in terms of how i view my art and how i view mm. the release of my art as something that's a platform for my own personal growth and connecting with my fans and and all these people on on this level that has been so much more than it was before you know i think i've always written music about like self-empowerment and overcoming your adversities and all of that but i haven't really shared my own stuff and i haven't shared you know really my personal stuff um and the more i've been doing that the more i've found that it's not only liberating it's also liberating from a from a career standpoint and i've noticed how much my career has grown because of it that is cool and i mean a song like that it is very personal for you but it's also very personal for everybody that's been through something like that yeah and and, you know so it's you can write something and get that catharsis of like getting it out there and also being super authentic but that song will you know become its own thing to people that listen to it so I think sometimes it's hard to get past our own, like I'm putting myself out there um, and everybody's going to know what I'm going through and what's happened and all that stuff. But when people approach a song, they're approaching it from their own perspective. And totally. they're, that's cool that someone's sharing this, but this is what this means to me. Like I, this is bringing up all these images for me and, and experiences. And, you know, so, so sometimes I think we're just like over scared to be authentic and, you know, everybody that's listening to a song, they're, they're always thinking like, you know, how does this, how do I approach this from my perspective? Totally. Absolutely. And I think that that, the fact that I think just doing that, you know, initially it's scary as hell. I think that once you do it and you realize, oh, we're all in this together you know, everybody has their own version of this or every, you know, just because this is my reality doesn't make it someone else's reality. Um, it it kind of changes the game and, and it's really liberating, you know. 
Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, obviously that song, you wrote it in a very universal way. It's very personal, but it's not like you said on a Tuesday and this person's name and this happened, you know, because then nobody's going to identify with it. So, um, you know, I just wanted to point that out as writers. We always have to remember that like we're writing something very personal, but we have to make it such that it can be universal. Right. Absolutely. Mm. So great. So um, I just want to ask, because obviously you've worked with a lot of great people. Like what has been the most mind blowing thing that's happened to you in your career so far? Like it could be like someone you got to work with or a certain audience you got to perform in front of or an award or anything like just that thing that you're like, Oh my gosh, pinch me. I can't believe I'm here. Yeah. So, um, hollow notes. I'm like Mm -hmm. a huge hollow notes fan. Oh, me too. And I was playing in Nashville. I believe this is about four or five years ago. I was playing a show in Nashville called um, River, or no, not River, um, the Music City Roots. And mm. it's a place called the Loveless Cafe, and they broadcast it live on the radio. And <clears throat> it's a cool thing they do um, every week on Wednesday. And they have four artists go, and it's a big hang, and lots of people go out. It's in a huge barn, mm. like a giant barn that's like, a fancy barn, you know? <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's really, it is really cool. Um, so I play this set and I go, I, I go over to the mer- my merch table and I had a friend there helping me and he goes, he goes, dude, uh, he didn't have his mustache, but I'm pretty sure John Oates just bought all your CDs and he's <laughs> looking for you. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> um, so I, I was like, well, where is he? And, it, you know, c- was looking around for him a little bit. Couldn't find him. So I was like, oh, bummer. Oh, well. And, I, and then I went back into the, into the green room and he was in the green room oh my hanging out. And he came over and introduced himself. And, you know, in my head, I was like, yeah, I know who you are. Like, freaking out, trying not to, like, fang- I don't fangirl out a lot. And I was, like, totally fangirling out. And um, <clears throat> he was like, uh, well, I would love to write sometime. And I was like, um, okay, John Oates, let's write a song. So he wrote down his number on a napkin and oh. gave it to me. And um, I called him, you know, the next day and set up a session. And we we wrote, uh, we've written several songs now. But um, we wrote we wrote some songs and co-produced them together and put them on um, a record I released a couple years ago called Live to Try. They're the Ozzy songs on the record. Mm. Ozzy. Super Ozzy. Because he has such a style and he has such a vibe. Um, it was really interesting to see how those songs kind of took shape with his mm. imprint on them. But that was kind of my, I mean, that would definitely like for in my career, I think that that was, that's one of the like, oh my gosh moments. Like, I can't Yeah, that is very cool. I can't believe this is actually happening right now. <laughs> for me as a child of the eighties, like, oh my gosh, yeah. you know, John yeah. Oates at my show. What? John, and then, you know, like, oh, I'm sitting in a room with my, you know, just writing a, a song with John Oates. So <laughs> real. Like, the first writing session, I remember, I was just like, it just didn't seem real. Wow. That's so cool. So speaking of shows, do, do you at this point, do you still book your own shows? Do you have a booking agent? How did that kind of evolve for you on booking these tours? 
I've had booking, I've had freelance booking agents. I have management that d- handles some booking. Uh, and I definitely book like myself too, because when you're out and about, like you may, you meet people, you know, obviously like you meet people, they want to talk about doing a show. You know, you have a personal connection with somebody, especially for fundraisers and private events, you know, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of, people that I'm trying to meet and run into and make, make some stuff happen with. Um, so kind of a little bit of everything. Um, we're in the process, um, talking to some major agencies. Um, and I think that that's definitely a goal of mine is to kind of nail that down and kind of just get a a big picture, long-term agent to, to come on board with the team. So. Right. But I'm assuming that for, for people that are starting out, you would say like baby steps, like start out booking yourself, then maybe hire a freelance, kind of like the way you did it. Yeah. And you'll find like, you know, agents, until you find the right agent, you know, there's really no need to have any kind of like formal contract where you're going to like lock yourself into somebody Um, I think a lot of people feel like they need to have a contract with somebody and I, I just would recommend doing it via email and a handshake until you know for for certain that this is the person you want booking you. And this is the person that's going to take you from the 50 capacity room to the 50 K capacity room. That's so true because it's not just about you proving yourself to them. They need to prove themselves to you that they can actually book you and just, you know, agreeing on a percentage, like you said, and and an email and a handshake, I think is good for starting out. Yeah. I mean, and if you guys don't trust each other, if they don't trust that you're going to pay them the 10% of what you're making on your shows, then I don't know. And that's, that's how I feel about a lot of things in the music industry. I feel like things are sometimes a little heavily contracted and um, two people jump into contracts pretty quickly. So Mm -hmm. um, that would be definitely a recommendation. Uh, But yeah, book, book yourself, book, do it because, you know, I think that also don't be afraid to talk about money and don't be afraid to like, feel like you're worth your, you know, your time and traveling, you know, is not easy. And a lot of the times, like, you know, people are quick to be like, oh, well, you only, you know, you're playing, technically you're making X amount per hour. And that's, it's not true. Well, you know, you're paying me for my travel time. You're paying me for the price of my instrument. You're paying me for the amount of time it took me to write the material, you know, you're paying me for an experience that I've had to create over time. And it also takes time to travel. So I think people kind of undervalue the, also the social sacrifices of traveling to do these shows as well. And what it, you know, what it does to to you on a personal level, um, I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but you know, there are definitely things that I have sacrificed to, to do it, you know? Yeah. I think that's so true. And we don't, we just think like, or, you know, beginning musicians, I think, think like, Oh, I'm on stage for two hours. So I should be paid for these two hours, but no. And then the venues try to convince us of that too. I think if you're, if you're green and you're not standing up for yourself, but you know, I worked for the opera for years 
And you see these artists, they get paid $10,000 a performance, right? But they're only doing four performances in your city. And they've been there for a month rehearsing and they've relocated their family for a month and lived in an apartment and all this, you know, plus they have all these years of training. Like, yeah, they do deserve that rent, you know, per performance fee. This just happens to be the way they get paid instead of by the hour. Right. Right. And especially when you're, when you're, you know, when you have a message to, you know, that's hopefully, you know, going to create an experience and create something that, that you walk away with that you'll have like forever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I like to go to shows where I'm just like, my mind is blown. Like I never thought, or the lyrics are just so engaging or whatever. I mean, that's the kind of experience you want when you go to these shows anyways. So I undervalue that. I agree. I mean, if we, I try now that I'm older too, to like, focus my money spending on making memories and experiences. And so, yeah, I could go out and buy a new outfit or I could go to this amazing concert. Word. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I always ask this question um, just because we are the female entrepreneur musician and we talk about, you know, making money from music. And so can you kind of outline a little bit, like, where are your streams of income from? Like, you know, is most, is a lot of it from your live performances? How, you know, how much, I don't want like specific numbers, but like maybe percentages or generalizations about, you know, how much you actually make on merch or online sales versus, you know, actual physical sales. Yeah. um, I mean, I don't, uh, the physical sales are really, you know, merch sales for me. I don't have my, uh, my stuff is in a few of the independent album stores across the U.S., but um, and it's not like at Walmart or something. Yeah, it's um, usually like live shows. People have that experience. They want to take it home. Yeah, totally. So uh, merch is definitely a big part of uh, my income. I think the biggest part of my income has been licensing. So those licensing placements um, and keeping those going has been kind of a focus for me. And then I'd, I'd say licensing is probably 50% of my income and then 40, 40% is shows and then the rest is, is kind of merch sales. Okay. How, how about online? Do you feel like, you know, are you getting a lot of money from streaming or, you know, iTunes sales? Yeah, I actually, uh, you know, I, I do. I make a pretty good amount of money monthly and um youtube streaming spotify streaming all that stuff you know and the more music you have out there and the more places you have to be you know it's like pennies in a bucket the more buckets you have it's true totally the game is that like total discovery or are you sending your fans there like through your newsletter and stuff to to like streaming or, or itunes Yeah. I mean, and also like, you know, any and all social media, press, like all those opportunities, you have to, you know, grab at all of them. Um, I think the more opportunity you have for exposure, whether it's online or like face to face with people, the more people are going to be interacting with you on social, on socials. And the more that happens, the more they're likely to go stream your music or go look at your videos. You know, that's yep. it's all, it's all about just 
getting yourself out there. It um, is. I, I mean, the, it's pretty unlikely that you're going to put your stuff up on Spotify and people are just going to discover you there. Right. I mean, the, the right. hordes of songs that are on Spotify, right. you know, occasionally you're on Pandora and you're on somebody else, you know, someone's listening to this kind of music and then you pop up and you get discovered. I mean, I've discovered music that way, but I think you're absolutely right. Like we need to, we need to make sure that we're as everywhere as possible that we can be. So, so we're top of mind. Yep. Without obviously being obnoxious, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Then so, that. <laughs> so speaking of that, like what is your favorite way to interact with your fans on social media? Do you have like platforms of choice or do you, you know, do you, do you interact on a regular daily basis with your fans online? I try and do as much as I can. Um, I think that especially for me and what I'm trying to do with my music, it's extremely important for me to stay connected with my fans. So I, I think Instagram and Facebook have really been uh, monumental for me in terms of you know, connecting with people. I, I find them the easiest to use. YouTube is also, you know, an amazing outlet that I'm learning more about, trying to get more into that. Uh, Facebook is great, though. And you know what? I actually um, have had so much interaction on my fan page um, and seen so much interaction from one fan to another and people talking to each other that uh, my management and I went ahead and created a support group for fans. Oh, wow. Um, and we haven't even, there has been no post about it. Uh, we posted once and it was in like a feed because I'll post something and, you know, there'll be like a really long feed and we responded and whatever posted the support group and it's already up to like 600 people in there. And wow. Every day, like everybody's, you know, talking to each other and posting inspirational quotes and talking about what they're dealing with and sharing their stories. So and it's kind of like the message that your music puts out there has inspired these people to like connect or raise their hand and say, yeah, I, I deal with that and I want to be empowered. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And they, and they text each other. They have these, we like, we have exchanged phone numbers and oh like, my gosh. they've come to, you know, uh, actually met a few of them in person. Wow. Um, I mean, that just makes your music so much more than a music music. It's like a movement. Well, hopefully so. You know what I mean? Like, for, and the thing is, is that for me, it's been a movement for me, you know, and for my life and mm -hmm. for, for everything that, you know, kind of I've, been dealing with and uh it's been really incredible to be able to share it with other people that are sharing it back mm. that is so so powerful well i want to thank you so much this has been really valuable um i knew when i first heard you music that i was gonna like you because i loved the the messages that you had and your style and all that and i was right so Thanks. thank you so much for coming on and I knew that what you had to say would be really valuable for our audience as well because you've seen so many different sides you know the publishing side and writing side and then being on a label for a while and you know doing it yourself out there on the road I mean it's just it's really impressive what you've built and it does take a long time and it takes a lot of hard work and you stuck with it so I want to congratulate you on that thank you very much for that I appreciate it. and thank you so much for having me on I think what you're doing is incredible and um 
certainly looking forward to hearing more from you and and uh, you should get Jen Bostic up in here. For I, sure. I'm going to do it. I'm going to like send her a message right now. It's been a little bit since I've been in touch with her. So um, can you tell our listeners how they can find you the best way to connect with you online? Yes. Um, I have a website. It's DaphneWillis.com. That's D-A-P-H-N-E-W-I-L-L-I-S.com. Um, you can go check out my music on Spotify and follow me there. Um, Facebook is a great spot to find me um, as well as Instagram. And I have a lot of videos on YouTube as well. And is it on socials? Is it all just Daphne Will at Daphne Willis? Lucky yep. you. <laughs> I know. I'm like Daphne <laughs> underscore official, you know, some weird thing. Yeah, Daphne underscore official Willis one, two, three music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lucky for both of us we both have really unique names so we you know as long as you didn't wait until 2017 to get on there that's right oh exactly <laughs> cool well, everybody go out there and check out uh, daphnewillis.com and and connect with her on social and get some of her uh, start streaming some of her music on spotify we'll definitely actually when this comes out we'll definitely have already had some of her music on the women of substance podcast so i'm excited about that and thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Daphne, so much for sharing your story today. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com. With editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.